Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. <gasps> Philadelphia? 1999. 19. I was there in 1999. And you stumbled upon this, the filming of this movie. True fact. It was the it was September 199 it wasn't 1999 it was September 1998 it was my Correct. first week at college ever i was Correct. a freshman and the the earlier in the day we had this one of our, our first classes was like i forget what they called it but it was basically like your freshman class and they would just go over things and so our and it was always taught by one of the teachers in your school so since we were in the art school. We had this woman who was the um, performance artist professor, and oh she had God. just returned from her sabbatical. Oh, to dry out. She was. She was like, imagine like you know a performance art teacher. She was like you know older white lady with long, long, super long gray hair. Mm-hmm. Was like kind of dressed like I imagine like Audrey Hepburn but a little more artery like artsy and talked very slow and would always like have like be staring at you while you talked and smiling and nodding like she was one to probably say that I had a good aura or something <laughs> so I think it was purple th- yeah this lady earlier in the, in our class taught us how to use the buses and I actually thought it was pretty cool because I had never been on a city bus. Like, like I never knew how they operate. I knew how the metro operated and the subways, but not a bus. And so then that evening, I, oh, and we were walking around. I think we saw the like a film set and stuff. And then I was like, oh, let's go back later in the night and stuff. And so then we went back later. And I was nowhere near where they were actually filming or anything. I just walked up and was talking to the union guys who I think were like with the special effects and that kind of stuff. And they didn't know what the film was called. They were like, oh, it's just some like, uh, what did they say? They said it was always oh, some kids movie with Bruce Willis. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And then later when I saw the trailer, I was like, that's the movie they were shooting. Mm-hmm. And the movie is? The Sixth Sense. <sighs> yes. Particulars? The Particulars. So, The Sixth Sense, 1999, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. This was not his first. I thought it was his first. No, he did. He had a student picture. Um, and then he he did this movie called Wide Awake, and then he did this, and then he went on to do Unbreakable, Signs, Lady in the Water, After Earth, The Visit, Split, and the upcoming movie Glass. Glass. The music is by James Newton Howard. Good music. He also did Pretty Woman, The Fugitive. Michael Clayton, the Hunger Games series, and mm. the Fantastic Beast movies. Oh. Mm-hmm. 
The director of photography is Tak Fujimoto. He also did Badlands, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, and Silence of the Lambs, among others. It was edited by Andrew Modenshine. He was an assistant editor on The Verdict. He also edited What's Eating Gilbert Gilbert Grape, Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, and Chocolat. Oh, I like Chocolat. It is starring Bruce Willis. You know him from Moonlighting, the Die Hard movies, Death Becomes Her, Pulp Fiction, tons of other Bruce Willis films. Tony Collette as uh, Cole's mother. She's the Australian actress. She was so good. She was in Muriel's Wedding, Emma, About a Boy, Little Miss Sunshine, Hereditary. She's just one of those like, ah, I know her. She's so good. Mm-hmm. Olivia, Versatile. <clears throat> uh-huh. Versatile. Olivia Williams plays Malcolm Cole, who's Bruce Willis, his wife. She's English. A lot, a lot of uh, foreigners in this. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in probably the greatest film ever made. And what would that be, Aaron? Rushmore. Rush, we have to do Rushmore sometime. Well, I thought that this was... I thought we were doing old movies, but... Well, that's true. We can do well, it at some point. Well, I mean... Relatively yeah. speaking. Oh, that is true. She was also in uh, Victoria and Abdul, The Ghost Rider, An Education. She's been in lots of stuff, lots of theater as well. Yeah. And also Haley Joel Osment. You may have known him as from Forrest Gump when he was super little. He was in AI, Pay It Forward, Entourage. So, those Alrighty are the particulars. Then. And it is one hour and 47 minutes, so a whole hour shorter than The Shining. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it starts with eerie music. And um, we see basement steps. And Anna aforementioned actress is going down the steps. She's Bruce Willis's wife and she's looking at a wine rack and she's um, a little tipsy and she hears something that freaks her out and she grabs a, a bottle of wine and runs up the steps. And she gets cold. And she gets cold. And, um, and they are celebrating that Malcolm Bruce Willis got an award as a child psychologist and he uh, has a gift. His gift is that he teaches children how to be strong. Yeah, he's he's this bona fide doctor. Philadelphia is calling his son and you find out that because he's so good at this that he puts he puts his work before everything, including Anna. That's how she feels. Yes. And her her feelings are valid. Yes. Okay, so they go to their upstairs bedroom because they have a really cool, um, like, brick, um, brownstone type thing. Yeah, like, just like Philadelphia. South Philadelphia house thing. And they go upstairs to the bedroom, and they're getting ready to um, have some fun. And then she sees broken glass by the window, 
and then you just see a shadow in the bathroom. And, you know, with these movies, the strings hit hit a minor chord and... <gasps> Very eerie. Like, oh. And then Malcolm goes into the bathroom and sees this um, almost naked, except for his tidy whities young man. Who is played by Donnie, New Kids on the Block, Wahlberg. I didn't know until I saw the... Um, the credits that Donnie Wahlberg was in it. And I went, what could he, could that possibly have been him? That's how I felt the first time I saw it. I was like, Oh wow. He lost 43 pounds to play that role. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Donnie is saying to, uh, Malcolm, do you know why you're afraid when you're alone? Because I do. And he's and, crying and doing the ugly cry and there's snot and spittle everywhere. Yeah. And it's obvious he's very unbalanced. Yeah. And Malcolm doesn't recognize him at first, which really pisses him off. And he said, you know, you told me that you could help me and you didn't. And uh, you failed me. And he picks up a gun and he shoots Malcolm and then he, he shoots himself. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm is is on the bed, and his wife is going, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. And um, then we cut to next fall, mm-hmm. South Philly. Bruce is, uh, Malcolm is on a bench reading a folder, and we see a little boy who is uh, nine years old, and he's walking really fast, and he starts running. And he looks scared. Oh, he's he's petrified. He opens the door. He doesn't come out. He like comes out. This is a kid who is man. He who is terrorizing this kid? Yeah. And um, there's a nine year old. Wait, who is Sean? Is was Sean there? That the boy who is supposed to walk with him? No, not this time. Not yet. Oh. Okay, I don't know what that was. Okay, so Bruce follows him, and the little boy runs into a church. And he's playing with toy soldiers and other um, toy people, and he's saying Latin, uh, Latin phrase over and over again. Which is and freaky. Anytime a child starts sputtering Latin, you know, hey, that's freaky. Especially when they're reciting the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and And it's a dead uh, language. How does he know it? Yeah. Well, Malcolm's talking to him about how people, you know, back in the olden days used to hide out in churches. And so Cole says to Malcolm, I'm going to see you again, right? Malcolm goes, "If, if you want that. So Malcolm goes home and his wife is in bed asleep. And no, she's asleep on the couch and there's a red doorknob that goes down to the basement and he tries to open the door and it's locked. And so he gets a key from somewhere and he goes downstairs and he's doing research on Cole, this kid that's so afraid. And and he's thinking he's being bullied or or um, abused at home or something. Well, the next morning, we meet Cole's mom, Tony Collette. She's getting ready for work. She's fixing breakfast. She goes in, and she goes, your your cereal's getting soggy. She goes to the laundry room. She comes back. Every cabinet and every drawer in the kitchen is open, and he's still just sitting there eating his cereal. No, he is not 
like eating his cereal. No, he's not eating. He's, he's just got, sitting there. He's got his hands, palms down on the side of this cereal bowl that he has not touched. And he is just staring straight ahead. And he looks terrified. He did always look terrified. And then the mom, because when she, when she came in, she was closing all of the drawers and stuff. And then she left because he had a spot on his tie and came back. And all of, like a whole bunch of drawers and stuff are open. And she's, and she doesn't get, like, she gets mad, but she doesn't get super angry. She's just like, what, why, what were you, what were you looking for? And he's just like, uh, Pop-Tarts. And she's like, the Pop-Tarts are right here. And he says, oh. So it's a very odd, and because he is so terrified, you're in the audience going, what is going on? Here. And he says to her, are you thinking something bad about me? So it's not just the terrifying thing that's happening to him, but he doesn't want his mom to think bad of him. Yes. Because of this terrifying thing that's happening to him. And that's kind of why the mom, when he comes, she comes back in, she's like, what the hell, Cole? What are, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because she's a single mom. And later we find out she's working two jobs just to just to try to keep their head above water. So she's very stressed. Mm-hmm. But she okay, doesn't. Well, she never lashes out at him or anything. She's always very understanding because she just wants to know what's what's wrong with him. And she's really worried about mm-hmm. him. And he knows she's worried about him. And when he gets up and leaves, his there. His handprint, a sweaty handprint, is still on the table. So she, so she like, realizes, wow, I mean, something's affecting this kid that he was sitting here sweating. Yeah, like what is going on with my kid? So the next scene, Malcolm and Mom are sitting in the living room, and they aren't t- talking to each other. But um, Malcolm comes home, and. Um, Malcolm and mom have a conversation about how, how was school today and she talks about how her day was. Oh, and wait, she, wait, wait. She, you said Malcolm and mom. Oh, I'm Malcolm yeah. and mom were sitting in the Malcolm, living room. Yeah, they're sitting in the living waiting room. Waiting for Cole to come home. Right, but no, nothing is spoken. No. Nor it's do they like, seem to even be looking at each other. It just seems to be that they are both, they have nothing to say to each other and they're waiting for Cole to come home. It's that awkward silence when, um, yeah, it's like in a doctor's office and the doctor's there and the mom is there and you're waiting for the kid to come in and just that awkward silence. And she goes into the kitchen to start dinner. Well, she says you haven't like, yeah, they ask about the day. She makes up her that's the great thing that happened in her day. He makes up a great thing that happened in his day. She says, I'll be, you have an hour. And then he walks. And he, you can tell he's, he's very scared of Malcolm. He doesn't want to go into the living room with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 yeah, so then they play a game. Because mm-hmm. Malcolm says, once you have a scene, and he, shake, he shakes his head. He doesn't say anything. And She's, he says, well, I have a, a mind-reading game. Here's how it works. 
Uh, if I say something and it's true, you take a step towards the chair. If I say something false, you take a step backwards. Do you want to play? And he looks towards the kitchen where his mom is, and he looks back and he, he nods his head. And so then Malcolm just starts asking him questions. Of, like, And at first he's right, and then he's like he starts guessing and he's wrong. And so uh, Cole starts walking backwards. And... What was the last thing that he asked him? Um, well, uh, the last thing that said is Cole says, you're nice, but you can't help me. Yes. And he leaves. Oh, and that oh. crushes Malcolm because that's he failed with Vincent. Yeah. Vincent was Donnie Wahlberg who shot him and killed himself. And so he sees a lot of similarities here and he wants to be able to help this kid. And there's a lot of physical similarities. Both have like this white patch in their hair. Both kind of have the same hair color. Both are very slight. I mean, they look very similar to one another. And I think they're the same. same I think age. that Vincent was the same age as Cole is now. Yeah. When he was trying to help him. And um, one thing he said was something about, I don't know, Cole said that he he drew a picture that upset everybody and Malcolm asked what it was. Well, it was a guy with a screwdriver coming out of his neck and it, that upset everybody. So now I just draw people with smiles and rainbows. Yeah, because they had to have a meeting and he's like, they don't have meetings about rainbows. Exactly. So you're like, man, this kid is smart. Next scene. Um Malcolm goes to a restaurant where his wife already is, and she's eating by herself. And um, he's saying, I'm sorry, I know I'm really involved in this case. I, I just can't seem to be able to keep track of time right now. And she's doing the cold shoulder to him. And um, then he goes into a whole dialogue about Cole and how he wants to help him. And... The check comes and he reaches for it, but she gets it first. She pays it. She signs the bill and she says, happy anniversary. And she walks out. So he's like, oh, my God, I forgot our anniversary. Oh, no, he, man, this is bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was late. He's yeah. just like, man. Because she was finished with the meal that she ate all by herself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, he's walking outside with Cole. Um, and Cole is telling Malcolm, I don't talk to my mom about this because I don't want her to know that I'm a freak. And Malcolm's going, you're not a freak. You're not a freak. Well, mom is doing laundry. And she walks by the wall of photos that most people have in their home of their children. And she takes a closer look and she puts her painted fingernail up to the photos. Because in every photo, there's like a... A light, what do you call that, Erin? It's like a lens flare. Oh, see, I knew she'd have the right terminology. A lens flare in every single picture, no matter how old he was, even when he was a baby, next to him there'd be this same lens flare that she never even noticed because, you know, there was time in between each photo and each one was framed. But right now she's noticing that. She finds it odd. Then we cut to... Malcolm, who's talking to Cole, and he's talking about free association writing, where you just write down whatever is in your mind right then. Then we cut back 
to mom. Okay, seeing the lens flare. Then we cut back to Cole, who says, I just don't want to be scared anymore. Then we're de Malcolm is back down in the basement, and he hears a knocking on the door. And he yells up to Annie, going to get that? And knocking, you going to get that? And then Anna answers the door, and a man is at the door, and he wants to take her out. To go antiquing. He's on his way to like find some some antique in the Amish country. And, and I would have gone with him because that sounds fun. But she's just not ready. She just says no. You know, I mean, she is still married. Mm -hmm. And so she says no. Well, now we're at school, and it's history class. And Cole is in the back, and he's um, disassociated from the class. And the teacher is talking about history, and there's a lot of history in Philadelphia. By the way, do you know what this school used to be? And Cole looks all around. Nobody else is answering because nobody else is paying attention. And he raises his hand, and the teacher is like, yes, Cole is going to answer a question. So he goes, Cole, what used to be here? And he said, this is where they used to hang people. Oof. Well, the teacher's like, no, who told you that? And <laughs> so um, it used to be a legal courthouse. And Cole goes, yeah, and they yeah. used to hang people. There. That's what, like, what do you think happened at courthouse? That's what I was watching this. I was like, yeah, man, they hung people there if it was a courthouse. Yeah, don't just dismiss. But that he was already in the meeting with the picture with the screwdriver coming out of his neck. And so he's going, yeah, this is a weird kid. Um, and then Cole goes off. He has a, he has a, an issue and he goes don't look at me like that because all the kids are looking at him like oh my god what is wrong with you and he starts screaming don't look at me like that and the teacher's walking up closer to Cole and he starts calling the teacher stuttering Stanley yeah and then the teach gets angry and then guess what happens when teach gets angry he starts stop calling me he starts stuttering and he does an unforgivable as a teacher. He yells out, shut up, you freak. Ooh. Now, you might think that in your head a lot, but you don't actually voice that to a kid who obviously has some issues, especially. But I think calling a kid a freak is worse than calling, you know, cursing at him. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that now. <laughs> especially mean, with this little boy yeah this like if this movie made after 1998 ends very differently with Cole I fear sadly I mean if he or if he doesn't get help oh yeah you call a kid a freak and stuff yeah me. Yeah. This I mean this was this was uh night this movie came out in 1999. They didn't have um shooter drills in school. Had Columbine happened yet? Not yet. Um 9/11 hadn't even happened yet. No, it happened cuz Columbine happened in in 99. So it it was filmed before it happened. It was filmed before but released happened. after it happened. Right. Okay, well um, Malcolm is at the school, but 
Well, yeah. he's in yeah. trouble. He's in the office. And because obviously he got sent to the principal's office. And Cole or Malcolm is talking to him. To Cole. And he tries this magic trick with a penny. But I mean, it's, you know, to lighten the mood a little bit. But but Cole is in such a deep hole. It's not going to work. Yeah. Okay, well, Malcolm goes home, and he walks in, and he, he hears his voice, and he hears his wife's voice. Their wedding video is on. The VHS tape of their wedding video is playing. And Anna's in the shower, and he sees a reflection of her in the mirror. You know, mirrors are always big. And he sees there's a Zoloft prescription in the medicine cabinet. And again, he tries to go to the basement, and the basement door is locked. Well, now, next scene, there's a birthday party, and Cole is at a birthday party. Um, and he he does the magic trick that Malcolm did, and, and um, he says, you know, it's supposed to be funny. You're not you're supposed to know it's not a real magic trick, and the kids just don't get him. Mm-hmm. So he's in a stairwell and he sees a red balloon and the red balloon is going up to the top of the steps. So he starts following the red balloon and he has on a red sweater. Yeah, the color red is, what does it say? Anything in the real world that has been tainted by the other world and also to connote really explosively emotional moments. So whenever yeah. you would see something red, it was like, holy vey. Yeah, yeah. And there's a little tiny door in the stairwell. And he hears a voice saying, open the door, open the door. But the door was open. And at the bottom of the step, there's some boys and they're watching Cole. Yeah, one of the so boys they- is the boy that we kind of mentioned earlier that he got, his mom told him to like walk the kid to school um so that he wanted to yeah like be nice to him and this kid is the cool kid in class but he's also been cast in a like a, a cough commercial so this kid thinks he's all that and he's friends with the kid whose dad made him invite cole to his birthday party and so then they see cole up there so they they stealthily walk up there and Cole's just terrified staring at this door. And the two kids are like, oh, we're going to play a little game. And so they basically throw him in the door. And Cole is screaming and yelling and banging on the door. And his mom comes up, can hear it through all the chaos. And so she's banging on the door to try to get him out. And then the parents come up and everybody's just kind of staring. And the mom's like, does anybody have a key here? What the hell? And nobody's really, uh, none of the owners of the house are really seeming to do anything. No, I mean, you bust the door down. You, you, you knock the doorknob off of it. You get the kid out of this place where he's screaming. Well, Ma, some people don't have freakish strength like you do. <laughs> I know that you just would have taken a step back, put your, your shoe through the door. And then unhit, grab, like, got, ah, and unhinged the door and thrown it down the stairs. 
but some people don't have that strength. Or I might have quietly gone and gotten a screwdriver. <laughs> yes, and quietly and methodically unscrewed the screwdriver. The doorknob so that I could get into my child who had locked themselves in their bedroom. Yeah, but that was, I mean, you were coming to rescue me. <laughs> no, no, and you knew that. Yeah. But, so, um, okay. So, so it stops by itself, and then suddenly the door unlocks. Yeah. And the mom goes in, and Cole's passed out. And so she takes him, they go to the hospital, and the doctor, who is cameo, M. Night Shyamalan, says he didn't have a seizure we don't know why he did this is there's nothing medic like physically wrong with him except for that and she goes there are cuts and bruises all over him and the doctor's like yeah about those cuts and bruises mm-hmm. and the mom is just not only is she freaking out because something is up with her son now everyone thinks that she beats him right and so then she's like uh, and the, guess what She's got no explanation as to why, except she just knows she didn't beat him, but she knows what it looks like. Right. Ooh. And, and she screams, what happened to my child today? Well, Malcolm goes to see him in the hospital, and he tries to tell him a bedtime story, but it, it doesn't work very well. And um, Malcolm um, Cole says, tell me a story about why you're sad. And he tells, uh, and, and, Malcolm tells it. And Malcolm's Nick. like, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> and my eyes are just sweating. Yeah, man, yeah. What do you mean I'm sad? Oh, I'm not moping around. You you are. So he tells a story about how he made a mistake with a little boy once. And he's trying to not make that same mistake with Cole. And Cole asks, how did the story end? Yeah. Not well, my friend. Oh, man, I took a I took a bullet to the gut, and uh, then I had to spend the next year cleaning brain matter out of the grout in my bathtub. So, well, thank you. So Cole looks over at him and says, "I, I want to tell you my secret now. Oh. I see dead people." Like they're walking around like regular people. They don't. They don't know they're dead, and they don't see other dead people. They they think they're still alive. Uh, Malcolm is like, oh shit, yeah. this kid is fucked. <laughs> right, and I don't know how to help him. He's he's looking. He's standing outside on the street in this little tape recorder, going, "We might need meds. We might need hospitalization." And he cuts it off and he looks up and he goes, and I'm not helping him. And you're like, ah, you're such a failure as a psychologist, Malcolm. Where was the scene where he broke into anger? His his Philadelphia son, like, bring the war. It was like, I'm not worthy. Well, the next scene, mom is putting Cole to bed at home. And she she takes off his red sweater and she sees there are two like ripped holes in it. Which time out. We forgot to mention because you never think of it because it's completely underused. Sebastian. The puppy. Huh? 
And and I mean, so, uh, Sebastian's was his name Sebastian. His name was Sebastian. Oh, somebody who finally knew how to name a dog. I saw that today on the rewatch because he went Sebastian. Later on, Sebastian runs and hides, and you see the mom's like Sebastian, come out. And now I was like, he named the, the puppy Sebastian. Oh my gosh! So I didn't even pick that up. So, but there's this puppy, and and I'm like, I forgot about the pu- adorable puppy, but they ne- they they never seem to take it out. It never seems to, there's never any anger over it peeing in the rug. And then when I saw the slash marks in his sweater, I was like, all right. I understand that this is a ghost story and that this needs to be like attributed to a ghost or something. But I looked at that and I was like, I know a Sebastian who left those marks. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it because his second name was Sebastian, not his first name. <laughs> I was like, man, the dog did that. So she lifts up his undershirt, which is also torn, and sees that he has scratches on his back that match the, the holes in the sweater. How they are. You got away with one, Sebastian. But that's the only time we see the dog in this whole... No, we saw it at the beginning. Oh. You see it at the beginning, and then you see it when she, when she goes to... I, I think maybe this scene where she's putting him in the bed. He was on mm-hmm. the bed. And then you see him later when he gets scared. Yeah, okay. He does run away. Okay. Okay, next morning, uh, Cole is in bed, and he has to pee. You know that feeling where you got to go, and you're trying to stay in bed because you don't want to get up, but he knows he's got to go. Well, he, it's not like running to the bathroom. Like, he comes out the door, and he checks both ways, and he goes as fast as he can into pee, and he notices, now this has happened before, that uh, the mom thinks that the thermostat doesn't work in the house because just at different times, it just gets really cold. Mm-hmm. And so he, it gets really cold, you know, because when when he's just breathing, you can see the water vapor, you know, that happens when it's cold. I've, I remember. You hear the scary music and you just catch a glimpse of a body walking by the door. Yeah, you get the jump. It does the... As the body walks by and you're like, oh my gosh, this movie with its jumps. And there's a woman in the kitchen and uh, when you first see her, she looks normal, but then she turns and her face is all battered in. And then she shows Cole her wrists, which she has cut. Because she was like, oh, you're not going to be able to beat on me now. And all of the, um, like, remember earlier when the cabinets and everything were opened? So then you're like, oh, because see, now that Cole has told the audience that he sees dead people, now we can see what he sees. Exactly. And so we're like, that's the ghost that comes in and, like, messes up all the cabinets. It was a beaten housewife who killed herself. And Cole has made a tent out of like old red uh, quilted blanket, knitted blankets. Yeah, like bedspreads. And he runs into that tent. He feels safe in there. Well, safer. Mm -hmm. Next scene, it's a school play. Cole and Malcolm are walking in the hallway together. 
and Cole just freezes in the hallway and he looks sideways up at an adjacent hallway. Uh, and you see what he sees. Three hanged people. Which is why he said the school used to hang people. A courthouse. And he's like, can you see them? And Malcolm's like, I don't see anything. And he says, you, you ever feel, you get that feeling on the back of your neck? And it was like, yeah. He's like, you get those little hairs on your arms to stand up. I mean, Malcolm's like, yeah. He's like, that's them. And like, he goes like, the... It, it's cold when they get angry. Yeah. Please make them leave. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm says, I'm working on it. Well, now Cole and mom are in the grocery store and she put Cole in the cart. Cole's riding in the cart and she is running through the parking lot with him. And he, it's like, he's king of the world. Mm-hmm. He's free for once. He's smiling. Uh, at home, it's cold in the house. They're eating dinner. And mom starts talking about this bumblebee pendant that she found in his drawer. So she thinks that Cole keeps stealing this bumblebee pendant. And Cole's like, I'm not. I, I, he's like, I didn't steal it. And he he can't. He, like, obviously, he's not telling his mom why. And but then also she thinks that he's stealing it. So he's just stuck in this bad place that he knows because he knows that she thinks that he's stealing it, but he's not. And then if he says that he did and then he keeps stealing it, she's just going to be mad at him. But he's not the one stealing it. And she asks him one more time because she's more mad that he's lying to her mm-hmm. than that he keeps you know, she's like, just like, tell me it, what's going on. I like, what is it? And she yells at him, and this is the dog runs out of the room. Oh, and in the hallway, you see a boy walk into Cole's room. <coughs> and then he turns, and the back of his head is gone. Well, he, <laughs> yeah, he come and he comes in, and he and he says. Let me show you where my dad keeps his gun. And he turns his head and his head's missing. The back of his yeah. head's missing. And you're like, oh, looks like you know exactly where he keeps his gun. So Cole goes into his mom and says, can I sleep with you tonight? I know you're mad at me, but can I sleep with you tonight? And she says, sure. But she begs him to tell her what's wrong. Because mm-hmm. he's shaking. Because then she, she's like, hugs me. She's like, why are you shaking? What the hell is... Tell me what's going on. Yeah, it's got to be so frustrating as a mom. It's like, geez. Which I would have thought that as a little kid, he would have said something already. Like when he was three. You know, all the kids, they just say whatever. Now, remember, his dad just left. So mom is the only thing he has. Yeah, but even when he was like a little kid, you know, kids say the darndest things. Yeah, like he's ta- well, he's, he's playing and or talking or scared, and he's never like. Because I've heard there are people like I have coworkers at work who have like had their kids said like freaky stuff like that, like oh, I know, like they they see a picture and they're they know exactly who that person is, and they say, "How do you know who that person is?" And they're like, "Because they like talk to me." <gasps> yeah, and it was like um. 
somebody who like passed away. Wow. That they wouldn't have even known. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it was like, I was like, what? And then other people were like, yeah, they, they've had that with like, I, I've heard there's like a whole Reddit and people have these things where their kids say these weird things like stuff about like fire and stuff that makes you like you know how and then the people but then people like it's always happened because then people always go like oh they're an old soul yeah but it's like oh that's kind of like weird I was just gonna say that Cole is an old soul because he has so much wisdom for um knowing that people think he's he's just really odd yeah and how to how to try to try to um keep that inside oh wow mm-hmm. because okay. remember in that when she was looking at the old picture he was a little kid and in that yeah. picture he's looking and it looks like he's interacting with where because that's what she's following because she's like what is he looking at and she follows his gaze and that's when she sees the the lens flare and then she looks and in all the pictures she sees a lens flare so that's why i just think that like wouldn't he have kind of said something or and maybe that maybe he has but he she never articulated like the i see dead people right she didn't pick up on it so that's why she thought it was just little kid talk yeah of like, oh, you know, like Tommy, my imaginary friend, except it's like all these different people. Because he wouldn't know as a little kid who's dead and who's not. Right. If he's seeing dead people. So you would be have the thing where you walk in and it's like, who are you talking to? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Next scene, Anna works at an antique store. And there's a couple who's looking at a ring and the woman wants it and they can't really afford it. But Anna is talking about how people can imprint on things like, you know, whoever owned this ring before imprinted on it. And and then they're going to bring their good fortune to you, Um, which sounds like a lot of, uh, you know, uh, crystals and mumbo jumbo. But at at this time and you're going how does this fit in and well and also she may be depressed but she's a hell of a saleswoman yes exactly and so the guy from before who wanted her to go antiquing um comes in and she gives him his birthday gift and it's a first edition of some book so they hug and they almost kiss when they hear breaking glass and um, Malcolm has thrown something through the window because he sees him almost kiss and he's walking away. I have a question. Why are first edition books such a big deal? Because they're value- They're worth money. Because people just decided that they were? I don't understand. It's got to be a certain book. I mean, it's got to be like a really noteworthy book. But it's like, oh, huh. a first edition of Moby Dick. What's the difference between a first edition of Moby Dick and what you have even on your Kindle? Okay, so the first edition would have been the first printing of it. Yeah. Like they, they printed, you know, so many the very first time. And then, because they don't print a whole lot of a book until they see if people are going to want to read it. And so that's a limited number of books. And then when it becomes, you know, 
um, really popular, then it's a second printing, a third printing, a fourth printing until people don't want it anymore. But the first printing is, you know, people taking a chance on this book. You don't know if it's going to become a classic or not. Oh, and since it's a limited number, then that's why right. it's valuable. Because I'm like, it's a book. Like, it's the story that you're reading. Anybody can read it. The value is only that, oh, this was just a, it's basically just made number, up. Yeah. Okay. Because I have a really old Gone with the Wind, but it's not, It's a second printing, not a first printing. Oh, might as well just burn it for kindling. I know, because it would have been worth a lot. Well, like a thousand, you know, fifteen hundred dollars. We're not talking millions, but I'm sure there are some that are worth a, a lot more. Okay. Anyway, um, Malcolm decides that he has to stop being Cole's doctor because it's taking too much time away from his marriage. Which and I was like, Malcolm, why don't you just manage your time better? You're, what are you doing with your time? I don't. Are you? Are you? But with that's this what kid? he said. Remember when he said, "I just can't keep track of time." I know. I know. I mean, later on, it explains. Seems like itself, instead of quitting Cole, he needs to go talk to Anna. Yeah, you got one patient that I've seen, Malcolm. What are you doing with the other twenty-four hours of your day? This just sounds like this is on you. Why are you punishing Cole? He's your one patient. Well, they're in a ch- in the church again. And Malcolm says to... Wait, wait, I, I jumped. Um, uh, but Cole goes, you believe my secret, right? Because if you don't believe my secret, you're not going to be able to help me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Malcolm still truly believes his secret. I think he, he thinks there's other things going on, but then Malcolm starts remembering Vincent Gray, Donnie Wahlberg. And so he goes, Hey Malcolm, do you know why you're afraid? Oh no. Vincent, Vincent said to him, do you know why you're afraid when you're alone? Cause he goes back and listens to those tapes mm-hmm. uh, that he had when Malcolm was, when Vincent was a little boy. And he's, and then Vincent is saying, it's cold in here. And these are all the things that Cole is saying. So he's beginning to think, wow, maybe Vincent was seeing dead people too. Mm -hmm. And then he hears on the tape, Vincent talking in Latin. Well, um... <laughs> he he kind of pieces it together like oh and then Malcolm is saying to Cole what do you think the ghosts want when they're talking to you yes. maybe they just want help maybe yeah. they just want some help maybe they you know maybe you just like maybe you can help them and then they'll just be on their merry way right they just need to resolve their issue mm-hmm so um, Malcolm is walking home, and he sees the dude from the store leave his house. And he's like, what the hell? Hey, buddy. And the guy just gets in the car. He's like, turn, bleep, 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 yeah, peels totally off. ignores mm-hmm. him. He's like, hey, what the hell? 
Well, we we cut to uh, Cole's house. He's asleep and he wakes up because he hears his mom having a nightmare, a nightmare about him. Mm-hmm. She's like, just tell me what's wrong. What is it? And he walks over and puts his hand on and he's just like, go to sleep, ma. And then... <laughs> This is not a Kubrick or a Stephen King film where he would have had the pillow and he puts it over and he's like, go to sleep, ma. No, it's nice. Like, go to sleep. And so she sleeps. So then he walks back in and in his tent, he, does he go, some, does something scare him? Oh, the, doesn't the dog, oh no, I don't remember. I don't know, but he goes back to his fort. Yeah. And in his fort is this little girl puking up mush yeah it's it's, and it like freaks him out and the little girl by the way is that misha barton who was in the oc i had no idea that was misha barton Mm -hmm. i saw her name but then i forgot about it and he's like freaked out he runs he's just like he's hiding he's super scared but then he remembers what malcolm told him and so this kid, he's got balls. He forces himself he forced, to go back he in. He goes back in and because he, he collapsed the fort when he left. So it's all like freaky because she's just there with the red blanket covering her. And so he takes the blanket off and it's like, uh, what do, do you, you want to tell me something? Yeah. Do you want to tell me something? And he's so scared. And what does she say? I'm feeling much better now. Yeah, like all creepy and stuff. And so then it cuts to them, to uh, Cole and Malcolm are on a bus. And they drive by a cemetery and, and Cole, you know, he looks away. And they are walking up and there's a whole bunch of people who are walking up all dressed in black, carrying casserole dishes and there's a little girl in a swing set, and Cole's like, that's her sister. And so they go in, and it's the funeral for the girl who was in Cole's tent. And the camera is just, you know, it's just kind of floating by. And so you pick up bits of the conversation. They say, you know, she was sick for two years. And there were all these doctors and nobody could figure it out. And then you learn that they like, oh, the little one is starting to get sick now. And so Cole and Cole tells Malcolm, like, you're going to stay. You're not going to leave me. And Cole's like, I'm not going to go anywhere. And so Malcolm says, I'm not going to go anywhere. So Cole goes up the steps and he goes into her room, the little the girl's room. And he's looking around and then there's a jump scare. There is. Because an arm reaches out and grabs Cole. Cole freaks out and he's down on the bed. And it's the little girl. She's under the bed. And she pushes this box towards him. And so then he takes the box. He goes downstairs. He he weaves his way through all of the adults. And he goes to, to this. Um, and the back is to the dad. And he's like, excuse me, mister. And, you know, the dad is just, he's crippled with grief. And he hands, he was like, you know, are you Kara's father? And he extends the box and the, the dad, he's like, he, she wanted you to have this. 
and the dad opens the box and there's a VHS inside it and you cut to because the little girl she liked puppets and so she had the camera set up and it she had the puppet show going and so he's crying because he's like it's my daughter and she she was like puppeteering but I don't understand what about this dance and stuff this is weird but still it's all I have and then the she moves it away so you can see her bed because she hears her mom come in and so she's in bed and her mom comes in and puts a tray of of her lunch down and she walks away and she comes back with like what is that ma like some sort of cleaning pine saw pine saw and like pours a cap full into the soup and mixes it in and then goes and gives it to the daughter and the mo- and the girl says, I'm feeling much better now, mom. And she's like, can I go outside and play? And the mom's like, well, eat your, eat your lunch. And you know you always get sick in the afternoon. And she's eating her soup. Right and after like, lunch. Yeah. And so then the dad walks over to the mom who's wearing all red. She's wearing all red. Her all red at funeral. her child's funeral. And he turns around and, like, he's just like, what the hell? Which I would have socked her. Yeah. <laughs> or poured some pine saw down her throat. Yeah. There, so, you know, the mom killed the daughter. The, the old Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. So they they leave and stuff. Or no, before they leave, she, Cole gives like a puppet thing to the sister. And it's like, you know, she was always looking out for you. So she saved the sister because the mm-hmm. mom was going to poison the sister. So she could get all that attention. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that was heavy. That was like, so damn. the next scene, there's another school play. My goodness, they put on a lot. And it's... Arthur and the sword in the stone. And the teacher let Cole be Arthur. Yes, but here's the when they're in the dressing room, the teacher goes in and is like, okay, we're all ready for the the stable boy. And Cole is talking to somebody, and the teacher's like, um, who are you talking to? And we see the woman leave. And when she turns, you see, like, the whole side of her body is burned. So you know that she's a ghost. And um, Cole's like, oh, nobody. And then the teacher's, and then he says, you know, thank you for letting me be the stable boy. And so then the teacher um, talks to him and says, you know, when I was your age at the school, there was a horrible fire and the whole the whole theater place burned down and Cole's like oh yeah I know so that's how Cole knew that he was stuttering Stanley Mm -hmm. because the teacher who died in the fire was the teacher who was there when he was a kid and was like don't you be listening to him he's stuttering Stanley (laughs) stuttering Stanley probably caused the fire you wonder you know because otherwise, why would the teacher be like, yeah, that motherfucker's stuttering Stanley. <laughs> and then um, a cough syrup dude, commercial dude, he just has a small part and he is not at all impressed. Oh, he's the village idiot in the play. <laughs> and Cole goes and he pulls the sword out of the stone. Mm-hmm. 
Yay. Good feel good moment. And um, Cole tells Malcolm, because Malcolm's there to see it. Uh, um, I got an idea how you can talk to your wife. Wait until she's asleep. And then she won't know you're talking to her, but she'll hear you. I mean, he's like, oh, that's a, that's a good idea. I didn't think of that. And then Cole says to Malcolm, I'm not going to see you anymore, am I? Because, you know, I mean, Cole has come so far, he could actually be the lead in the play. And he's, he's thriving. Happy. He's thriving. Okay, so it's just it's a bittersweet moment because Cole is better, but now he's not going to see Malcolm anymore. Well, um, Mom, Cole's mom missed the play, and because you know she's working two jobs, and they're in the car going home, and there's a car accident that has tied up the entire road, and. So Cole says to mom, I'm ready to communicate with you now. And I'm ready to tell you my secrets. The accident up there, well, the lady died. And mom's going, how do you know that? Can you see that from here? And he's going, no, because she's right here by my she's window. standing by my window. Yeah, she was a biker. Man, mm -hmm. and she was wearing a helmet too. So that must have been some accident. And she, and mom goes, Cole, you're scaring me. And he says, well, they scare me sometimes, but the ghosts, they just want me to do something for them. That would have yeah. scared me. I was like, these, what do these ghosts want you to do? Not, it doesn't involve smothering your mother with a pillow, does it? Oh, I saw the shining, Cole. I saw I the shining. It wasn't good. And Cole says, they used to help me. They used to hurt me, but now I can listen to them and just know they want me to help them. But now I got, there's this thing called ghost Bitcoin and ma, I'm a millionaire. I got a side business going. There's a wait list to get into me. I help these ghosts. They pay me on ghost Bitcoin. You have no idea, but we are loaded. That doesn't happen, but he does say to mom, do you think I'm a freak? And she says, never. And he goes, oh, by the way, Grandma says hi. And she's sorry for taking your bumblebee pendant. Grandma visits me sometimes. And she wanted me to tell you she saw you at the dance. Well, Mom is crying at this point. Because before it was like, I, I, I think he's having hallucinations. But now this is stuff that really happened. She was at a dance and she thought her mom didn't make it because they'd had a big argument. But mom was in the back and she did see it. And then she and then he says, and, you know, that question you ask at her grave. Well, she wants you to know that. Um, yes, every day. What was the question? And, and mom goes, do I make her proud? Yes, every day. So they hug and cry. Well, so Cole is better, uh, as better as you can be when you see dead people. And Malcolm is going home, and that wedding video is on again. It's and like, Anna is sleeping. Enough with the wedding video, and Jeez. Anna's sleeping on the couch. And so Malcolm sits down to talk to her. And she says, I miss you. 
And then she says, why, Malcolm? Why did you leave me? And she shifts and something bounces on the floor and rolls. And it's his wedding ring. Well, yeah, because he, he looks at her finger. And she's got hers on. He looks at his. It's not there. Yeah. That's the first time that as an audience member, you're going, wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Well, if you've never seen the movie before. Yeah. And... Uh, he remembers Cole saying, I see dead people. And he's reviewing all the times he was with Anna, how she never interacted with him at all. Mm-hmm. And she ex- she exhales and there's uh, the, the vapor. Super cold. And you're going, what? What is going on here? So we go back to the night when he shot. And uh, he goes on the bed and she rolls him and the whole back of it, his back is just like, it was like a shotgun pellet. Well, All these holes that came through his back. So it was obvious he could not survive that shot. Well, no, I didn't think it was a shot. He, cause that, it wasn't, it was, a, it was a pistol, but I didn't understand all the. They didn't have the holes. It was just because there was a hole in the front, but he was bleeding out the, his back. And he's saying to Anna, it doesn't hurt anymore. Um, I think I can go now. Uh, I just needed to do a couple things. I needed to help somebody. And she says, good night, Malcolm. And and he says, good night, sweetheart. And then there's a white light. And we're back to the wedding video where they kiss. The end. Like he was dead the whole time. And then you start thinking about it and you go, okay, so when he and Tony Collette were sitting in the dining room, they never talked to each other. And yeah, he was dead the whole time. And then and then you're like, oh, guys, you got to go see The Sixth Sense. That ending. And that's why it was the second highest grossing film of 1999. Behind Jar Jar Binks and Star Wars Phantom Menace. It was so good because you really, really didn't see it coming. And it was like a, it was like a, um, not a hidden agenda, but it was like a, everybody knew, don't tell the ending. Don't tell other people the ending so that they can enjoy it the way you did. Yeah. And it holds up when you watch it again. It does. Because you're like, oh, that's why he was so... Like, that the scene where, you know, you think that, oh, but he was with the mom and they were talking. But no, they were never talking. And then why he wasn't talking to him, why he was only nodding. Because his mom was in the kitchen and he wasn't really going to say anything. And then why he had to whisper. Because you thought, oh, he didn't want to talk to him because he was a psychologist. Yeah, because yeah, it all made sense at the time watching it, why there why there was, you know, like why his wife wasn't talking to him on their anniversary, mm-hmm. because she was pissed at him, and she was being passive aggressive, and um, yeah, it all, and then the very last, one of the last scenes, there was a table in front of the downstairs, because he kept unlocking the door, she kept locking it, because it was so freaky that that door kept getting unlocked. And, and that was frightening her. 
So she kept locking that door and he kept unlocking it. So she moved the table in front of it. Ah, I thought that he was because you never actually saw him going through doors. You would only see him like with the church. You would see that him like you see the church and then you would cut to he was already inside the church. Yeah. And this yeah. was like you would see the door and then you would cut to he was in the basement. See, and he lost track of time. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't figure out how he got from the church inside, you know, from the door to the inside. And he was never never like, why do I not have any other clients? You know, what is going on with Valerie? But nobody thought of that at the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're just intertwined in in the different perspectives and stuff. So you're like, oh, do you have trivia? it It was one of my favorite movies. It's very good. Do you have any trivia? I have that Donnie Wahlberg lost 43 pounds. This was filmed in sequence. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Um, Evidently, M. Night Shyamalan had Bruce Willis in mind when he wrote it. Oh. And anytime you saw Red, it was the ghost or it was ghost or evil or like Tony Collette's fingernail was red when she was pointing to the fraction light in the picture mm-hmm. um, because she was starting to pick up on something of a ghost in, in the picture. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I have. There was a lot more, but that's all I wrote down. All right. Well, I have that Bruce Willis was born in Oder Obstein, West Germany. Really? Yeah. The son of a military man? Uh-huh, and a German mother. And then the family relocated, and he was raised in New Jersey. And and he had a stutter as a kid. Really? Uh-huh, and he lost it when he was performing in the drama department. That's interesting. He was also a real-life private investigator. Was he before Moonlighting? Yeah. Such a smart ass. He's just such a smart uh-huh. ass. This is number 50 on the WGA, which is the Writers Guild of America's greatest screenplays ever. Wow. 50. That's pretty high mm-hmm. if you think of all the f- screenplays written. It was nominated for six Academy Awards Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay. Best Supporting Actor for Haley Joel Osment, and Best Supporting Actress for Tony Collette. And Tony Collette it, auditioned for this role because Marissa Tomei well, I don't almost know, had she it. She almost had it. And Tony Collette, she really wanted to be in Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead. And she just auditioned for this as an afterthought. And it was the scene, you know, in the car with Cole that she was like, oh, there, this, yeah, this movie, I could do this movie. And she didn't realize until after when she saw it that it was like a horror film. Yeah. Um, Just like The Shining. I did wonder, because last week I I said, is that little boy totally messed up from filming this? And how um, the director dude had kept him away from all the horror. I I didn't read anything about how Haley Joel Osment uh, did with the horror the scary parts um i don't know because he was very well prepared his father is was into theater and that kind of thing and so 
on his audition, he um, he was very well prepared. He had read, I think M. Night Shyamalan asked him, like, oh, you know, did you read your seat, your part? And he was like, yeah, three times last night. And he was like, oh. And he's like, no, he read the entire script three times. So yeah. I think he was just that, like, uh, a wise beyond his years kind of little professional. Mm-hmm. But well, he certainly came across that way. Yeah, totally. Um, M. Night Shyamalan Ghost wrote the movie She's All That, which I was like, what? Really? Uh-huh. So when the camera, when he, when Cole confesses his secret to Malcolm, the I see dead people, the camera pushes in on Malcolm, and the director thought, everybody thought, like, ah, is this too much of a giveaway? Because he says, I see dead people, and we're, like, just pushing in on this guy. Um, but it wasn't. It was like, what's his reaction going to be yeah. to his patient who's saying, I see dead people? And how he's yeah. just, like, all the time, like, you know, in your dreams and stuff. So it it's just fun. Like, they were like, ah. so they just left it in to roll the dice. And there's a lot of other stuff I brought up. So the Disney executive, this is from Mental Floss. The Disney executive who bought the script was fired because of it. Um, the then president, Dan Vogel, he didn't consult anybody and he paid $2.25 million for the script. And in order to buy the script, M. Night Shyamalan was like, if I sell you this script, you're also saying that I get to direct this film. And so this Vogel dude was like, yes, I love it. I want it. Give it to me. And then all the, when Disney found out, they're like, you paid how much to who? And he's directing it? Nah, man, no. Nah, you got to relinquish some of your responsibilities. And Vogel's like, nope, forget that. And so then they're like, then you're fired. And he's like, I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah. So yeah, he did get fired. And this movie made a lot of money for Disney. So It sure did. It was one of three films that Bruce Willis starred in as part of a settlement of his deal with Disney. So there was this movie called the Bra- or Broadway Brawler. And it was going to be like Jerry Maguire, but set in hockey. Oh. And that Morna Tierney from News Radio, she was going to be the love interest. And they actually had shot 20 days worth of stuff. And then Bruce Willis, something happened. Bruce Willis fired the director because he was a producer on it. He fired the director. I think he fired the editor. Um, and then he brought in like his friend who was a guy from Moonlighting. And that guy only lasted like a day or something. And he got fired. And so then the, the production company was like, we can't do like we're shutting this whole thing down. What the hell is going on? So they shut it down and it's super rare that if a movie is already shooting because of all that goes into a movie, you're talking the logistics, all of the union people, um, just everything, all the camera crew, everybody there, they've all been assembled. They've all been told that this is a gig and they're getting paid. So to like production even how as ill-fated as production goes it's just like the show must go on we have to just keep doing this because it's gonna cost too much money at least we'll have a product that we can try to make some money off of in the end but they shut this thing down so 
Disney had to, they, they were like, all right, Bruce Willis, you owe us some money. So you need to do three pictures for us. And the first two, you'll, you'll get paid $10 million. And then it's going to pay because we have, they had to pay off. Disney had to write a check to the other production company for the brawler. So we had to do three pictures. So the first one was Armageddon. And then he did the Sixth Sense, and then he did the Kid. And those were the three that he had to do. Well, I think it paid off his debt. Yeah, I mean they were happy, and and good for him that you know, at least one of those three movies was like. Whoa. And Armageddon did well. Yeah, Armageddon did well, but nobody was talking about Bruce Willis's performance. Right. Like, I remember when this movie came out, people were like, oh, Bruce Willis, he's so, like, subdued and subtle. It's a great Because he was always the action star. Yeah, he was always, like, Mr. Wise Guy. Mr. This, like, now we've seen this performance from him before, but this was his first just very toned down and mm-hmm. kind of dwarf. Um, Michael Sarah auditioned to play Cole. Yeah, I read that. And he, he said he totally misplayed he played the scene upbeat for the um the like the, his audition scene a beat wow <laughs> that's imagine michael sarah yeah i uh yeah yeah see dead people yeah it's, it's kind of cool yeah you know um so mercer tomei was almost the mother but Tony I'm sure Collette. she could have done it, but Tony yeah. Collette was, yeah, Tony Collette was. Uh, she's just an extremely gifted actress. Not that Marissa Tomei isn't. So there's a reason why uh, Cole never got cold because, according to the film's logic, it's only when a ghost got upset that the temperature dropped. So the ghost was not upset with Cole, but they they hurt him. Yeah, but then he would get cold. Oh. Like he got, he did get cold. Remember, in like in the bathroom and stuff. Yeah, it was when the ghost would get upset. But if they weren't upset, then he wouldn't get cold. Um, and Haley Joel Osment's father told Bruce Willis to yell at his son to get him to cry because he couldn't manage to cry in a scene where he was supposed to. So I'm sure that the guy doesn't have any issues whatsoever. I I know. And Tony, weird things happened to Tony Collette during the filming in her Philadelphia hotel room. She always woke up in the night and it was always on a repeating number like 111 in the morning or 333 or 444. Um, yeah. I saw a ghost one. I don't be like, I don't, I don't be entertaining such things. Well, it was it was Grammy the morning that she died. Mm. I was getting ready for school and and I was at the mirror and in the reflection of the mirror, I saw her in the hallway and I turned and looked and uh, obviously she wasn't there. But then I found out that that's when she had died. Wow. And I know I, I you know, people could try to explain that away, but I know what I saw. I didn't think anything about it at the time. But then later it was like, 
Damn. Okay. Don't feel the need to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Nope. One last time. <laughs> it wasn't scary or anything. It was just like, whoa, that was weird. So, what's next week? We are doing 1957, The Sweet Smell, or no, Sweet Smell of Success. I know nothing. I looked it up from, I was scrolling through the WGA Greatest 100 Screenplays of All Time. Uh Uh-huh. And there are a lot on the list, but I thought they, because we did 1980, this was 1999. I was like, let's, I wanted an older movie. Excellent. Because we are known for our classics. Mm -hmm. So I was like, let's go back a little further. So I know nothing of it either. This was one I, I didn't know anything about. So there you go. Sweet smell of success. I'm sure we have to get that on. Uh, iTunes. It's on iTunes. Excellent. Do we know who's in it? Oh, um, well, we do, and it's a good cast. Maybe you might have heard of uh, Burt Lancaster. <gasps> we haven't done Burt before. Tony Curtis. Well, we have done Tony before. So, there you go. Well, that sounds... Is it is it in the uh, thriller, um, psychological thriller type genre? Um, it is. It was. It's because like a film noir. Film noir, and we are leaving October. Listener Ergler, so. We have accepted your challenge, and I think we have done a great job with it. Yes, challenge accepted. Accepted and done. Vanquished. (sighs) Try to take us down. Sweet smell of success. I'm looking forward. Me too. Okay, listeners. All right. Have a happy Halloween. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.